Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. This is John Oxford, Corporate Communication Director, Guru, whatever, for Renaissance Bank. And I'm here with Josh Mabus of the Mabus Agency. Josh, are you here? I'm present and accounted for. Drink more coffee. All right, let's get rolling today. We have a question from one of our listeners or website viewers who posted, what is the proper budget for your bank? And I don't know that there's an exact answer for that, but my rule of thumb is always one million for every billion in assets. So you can do the math and either scale it up or down, but I would always go with, or I try to go with and request a million dollars for every billion dollars in assets. Do I always get it? No. Could you sometimes get more? Yes. Uh, But that's my rule of thumb. Do you have any opinion on that to to our questionnaire saying, what is the proper budget allocation for your bank? You'd assume the guy that gets paid for marketing would say this, but it's as much as you can get. Marketing is a realm that the more you buy, the better it is. I mean, the more awareness, of course, you have to have a great strategy behind it, which you'll always hear me say. But the rule of thumb is to get a budget. So, uh, million for billion, four to six percent. Retail is six to 18 percent. Like a McDonald's is around six percent. So I think mobile's like twenty five percent. I mean, mobile company. That's why you see so many commercials because they they almost have to uh, because it's such a competitive uh, industry and the technology changes every year. But it's too easy uh, to move around. I mean, banking we have to understand that once you get somebody, you get them. But it is very expensive to get them in the first place. So a million for every billion is a great rule of thumb. But the point is to anybody listening, you know, the question itself of of what is your budget. Fine, I understand why somebody would ask that question. But at the end of the day, there's only so much in the coffers that you're going to get, and that's fight for every penny you can. And then use those pennies. I think I, I know we've discussed this before, but you as a uh, marketing agency, and I know you, you want to get paid for your work. Everyone wants to get paid. Bankers want to get paid, whatever. But in just the strategy of it, if you have a budget, Spend your budget. I, I think it's funny coming up. We didn't spend all of our budget this year like you're supposed to get a gold star and a pat on the back. And it's like, no, that budget is meant to grow your business and grow revenue. Spend it wisely. Spend it strate- strategically. Excuse me. Not spending all your budget is like creating a $100,000 investment account and having a $100,000 goal from your investment account and only putting $20,000. There is no red badge of courage at the end of the period of time that you're looking at that you didn't invest all your money. I'm asked... All of the time uh, when I ask a client for their budget, they, they look at me and they say, well, if I give you my budget number, you're going to spend it all. I say, you're absolutely right I'm going to spend it all, but either you trust me to spend it well or you don't. And it, it's not about spending all your budget or not. These people that kind of – now, I see this happen in the banking industry a good bit, especially when it's localized, is bankers, local bankers, you know, maybe a bank president or branch president, branch manager has, has his own budget – They'll hold that and then use that. At Christmas or at the end of the year. It's like, oh, we've got $10,000 left in our budget. Let's buy a bunch of special sections in the newspaper at the end of the year. And you're going, 
what was more important in December than in July? When no one's moving banks. I yes. mean, they're buying Christmas presents. They're, they're locked down for the end of the year. Uh, or they'll may not even spend it and put that back towards their bottom line. You know, it's kind of their safety net. They don't value marketing. So it becomes their safety net. So if they had a, a poor overrun, year, yeah. if they had a poor year, they'll they'll put that. But I didn't spend my thousand dollars in marketing. Uh, okay, well, could you have had a better year if you would have spent it wisely throughout? And those questions are always worth asking. Well, we uh, they are, and I know that's one of the challenges that all marketing directors and marketing departments face is uh, their budget and it, it being looked at often as something that's easy to cut, but I think it's also, and it's coming from a marketer, so wink, wink, but I also think it's one of the worst places to cut because that is how you grow your brand, it's how you grow your reputation, it's how you protect your reputation is through marketing, and if it's the first thing you cut, uh, then you're losing your voice in the public, and that's what drives customers into your bank, and so it's kind of like the cut off your nose to spot your face, you know, cliche, you're cutting your voice, you're cutting off your name, you're cutting off your brand, uh, when you know you look side in the bank and everyone has their opinion, but when it comes to budgeting, uh, fight hard for that dollar if you're in the marketing department. Not only that, if you don't use it, if you don't fight hard for it, it's really easy for it to become unimportant to those who do want to cut it. The easiest way to make sure that you won't have a marketing budget when you need it is don't spend it because your higher-ups, your, your executive management, whomever is making that decision, CFO, budget, budgeting side – They'll say, well, you didn't spend this when you had it, so it must not be important to you. Um, so treat it with importance. Whatever you've got, spend it. And you know, a quick aside, whether we use this or cut it, I have a client, very small client, very localized regional client outside the banking industry who came to me and I told him the first uh, time he trusted me with his business that he didn't have enough money to do the plan he wanted. And he said, well, well, Spend this, and then we'll see. And that's what everybody says. But he honored that. He grew by 20%, which is growth we won't see in a bank, but he grew by 20% in his first year. Again, very local, landlocked-type company. He increased his marketing budget by 20% the next year, and he grew by another 20%, so 20% on top of 120. He's grown consistently by 20% every year because he's he's – He's committed to that, and he's reinvested in it every year. And it's incremental. 20% growth, I mean, one-fifth added back to your bottom lines is a good number. His, his goals were actually higher. He wanted to go around 30%. Um, he's okay now with a consistent growth of 20%. So I think it's the uh, – you got to spend money to make money. I think that is a very true statement. But as good marketers, we also look – for ways to save money and ways we can cut corners and, and still do things right and effectively, but also efficiently, because marketing is always looked at as kind of the, the party department. Oh, you're putting on events and you're showing up and you're giving away the tchotchkes and you're doing all this stuff. And so sometimes it's looked at as not as serious, but I think it's actually one of the most serious areas, especially uh, with the reputational hit we took in the 2008 time period. Uh, banks really trying to rebuild themselves, especially community banks that had to bear the brunt of new regulations and new or poor reputation nationally, but a lot of times they had nothing to do with it. So uh, so we, we do appreciate that question on budgeting. I would go with a million for every billion in assets and scale that down or up for whatever size your bank is. Absolutely. All right, rolling on here. Thanks for our first question. We're gonna, Today we're going to talk about websites, banking websites, 
uh, and everything to do with them. We're going to get into it a little bit. And again, send us a question to moneymarketingpodcast.com. Send us a question at moneymarketingpodcast.com. Go to the site. We will not tell your name or your bank, so you can say whatever you want. Criticize, ask, whatever you need to do, and we will try to answer them on the next podcast. But today we're going to talk about websites. Josh, tell me, you started a web business when you were young, so you've been doing this for quite some time. What makes a great website? Functionality, usability. A website is a tool. Before we get any deeper, let's start here. A website is not advertising. It is part of your marketing effort. This is Marketing Money Podcast. There are those who believe that a website should be an advertising medium, but it's completely reactive. Yes, people might be Googling bank services, but then you're one of 10 or 20 or 100. Try 6,500. Well, I mean, in in any market, (laughs) in, in, in a regional market. And your website is a tool when someone is, when they found you, when they're investigating you, it's to, it's to search deeper. And, and another part we need to understand and be really uh, clear and transparent and upfront about when we're talking, this is, we're talking to bank marketers right now. All of your, all of our websites are essentially exactly the same. Or we have the same goal. We're talking about the same products. So functionality is going to be very important. We're going to have to find ways to separate ourselves. This isn't Wendy's with a square burger versus McDonald's with a round burger where there's an obvious difference between the two. You have to use the functionality of ex- and experience to differentiate yourself. Yeah, I've been to many a conference, as most listeners on here probably have, and I've seen uh, consultants and the like put up different bank websites and they cover up the logo and try to have the audience guess whose website it is. And everyone throws out the national bank brands because those are the ones you know. So they're saying a B of A or a Wells or a Chase or a City or a BB&T, which are all – those banks are whatever you think they are. And, and this it might not be their website. So this, those are just the names everyone knows that I'll say. But I think it's interesting that most of the sites, you can cover up the logo – and the consumer would look at it because you're, if you're a bank marketer, you're going to be much more aware of bank brands than the average consumer. So you yeah. throw it in front of the consumer. Yeah, let's throw this in as an aside. The consumer doesn't care. No, they don't care. But they they don't they don't care which brand names on it. They care that it's what they want to see and it functions the way they want it to. But you would look at it as a consumer who doesn't know bank brands like a marketer would. And they look at it and go, I don't know who that is. They all look the same. It's a square. It's got three blocks across the bottom. It's got a picture. And those are the newer ones. The older ones are just a bunch of type and a bunch of copy because someone came in there and said, you got to set it up for SEO. And so they throw a bunch of words on the screen in 11-point font, and you're looking at it going, well, I can't find anything. Well, that, and I mean, even recently, I'm sure there are still big banks, respected banks that do this. The paradigm still centered around the smallest screen size, the smallest resolution. So on modern monitors, you would go to a very large, I won't name names, but large, well-respected banks, and there's this tiny website right in the middle of your screen. Yeah, because, big white columns on yeah. the sides because it doesn't move. Yeah, and you know, to, to the end of what you're talking about, of what does it communicate, we have to look at, at what we've done in bank branch design. Why why do bank branches look the way they do? We communicate security and trust and stability. They're brick and they have big columns. So those things have to be communicated. That psychology still works. These things have to be communicated via the, the web. You think about what your bank communicates through its website and through its functionality. 
Is this secure? Does it feel legitimate? Does it feel like it's going to be easy to use? Is it going to be easy to get my money later? Is it easy to transfer money? What is this experience like? So taking that experience, that branch experience that we know is shrinking, and translating that to a web experience. Some criticisms are that a lot or many bank websites look the same. They have the same feel. And I guess in some senses, you're thinking as a consumer, I'm going to a bank website and someone has thought this is what a bank website should look like. Same thing with your hamburger explanation. You think a hamburger should look that way, even though some look a little different. But I'm starting to see some websites on some banks, and I I hate to use those general terms, kind of differentiating themselves a little bit to toot our own horn for more or less, go to renaissancebank.com, check out what we've done. We've tried to take make it a little different with some movement. Uh, it's still a bank website, but I don't think you could throw a logo on it necessarily and it would look like anyone else's because it follows our brand throughout. And I know a lot of marketers would want to say that about theirs, so I'm open to criticism on it too. But go compare it to some of the other banks, and it's definitely different. And there's plenty of other banks that have different websites. Another thing I'd like to notice is, and let's start off with this question, we're going to, let's say I'm a banker and I'm listening to this because I saw it was about websites and I'm thinking, we're about to redesign our website. One question I think that needs to be asked is, should it be designed for mobile first? Well, you know, this is, as a creative group, we struggle with this because users are going mobile. As of 2014, the numbers that I see point to that was the year where we switched and, and mobile became bigger usage than desktop. But when we think about this as marketers, we still see this desktop website. We see all of this real estate in our mind when we want to design it. And I'll tell you from the guy that presents to clients, it is never impressive for me to go into a client presentation. Hey, I just designed your website. Look at it on mobile first. Because the effort goes to functionality, not to aesthetics and design. So, you know, I would say you guys, since you would be the clients to, to companies like mine, is keep an open mind on things like that, to look towards mobile. The audience is going there. They want the access in their pocket more so than they need it on their desktop. And you have to put at least equal effort into your mobile. We're looking right now in, in, in my own business to shift and start designing for mobile first. The numbers, the audiences are telling us that on my site, which is a, a business-to-business site. I own an ad agency, and the assumption would be that other marketers are on the other end of that, sitting in an office possibly. They're executives. Not that you guys sit in an office, but you get what I'm saying, that, that, that you're, you're a marketing executive in an office looking to hire an agency. So I told my staff, um, as of this recording, our website's two, three years old. So I, I told my staff when we did that uh, to, to, to design for that audience who's, who's looking at desktop. I know we're going mobile, but I really feel like I was absolutely wrong. We get seven times more, seven times more visitors on mobile to our site than desktop. Thank goodness my guys are smarter than me. And they design, you know, they designed a very comprehensive mobile uh, experience. But it absolutely has to be at least equal to your desktop. And for clarification, we're not talking about apps. We're not talking about the application that your bank has that you're going to download from from Apple or the Google Play or whatever it is, um, Samsung, whatever you know, item you use in whichever store you go to. We're talking about the bank website, the www 
whatever.com or dot bank, you know, the, the new uh, ending. But uh, I agree. I think you've got to look towards mobile as the, the next area of where it's going to be viewed more. Uh, because if you're on the road, and you're like, oh, you drive by a bank. Oh, there's a bank A. And you go, oh, you punch it up in your phone. Not you should be looking at your phone and driving, but let's face you're it. You're the people, passenger. Yes, you're the passenger. Or you're, you see a commercial on TV at home, you punch it up on your phone while sitting there in your hand. And I would say at the very least, and this is old bank talk in 2016, but it has to be optimized for mobile or mobile optimized. And, and that's I know that's a buzzword, but if it's not, you're, you're already six, seven years behind when you've redone your website. And I wish we didn't even have to say this. You shouldn't have to. I, but, but, no, I, but how many but websites visit, do you see that aren't? Right. I visit, I visit the sites out there, and, I mean, you know, everybody's fighting over this millennial. That's our buzzword. And if you want to, to take a millennial out of the process for you, have a non-mobile op- optimized website when they go to it on their phone. Where the header overlaps with the words and stuff yeah. is off center. And yeah, it's, it, it's obvious to the millennial when it was designed for desktop and there's no mobile optimization. Have that and have all your competitors have a mobile optimized site. You're out of the fight for that person. And look, not that millennials are, are the be-all to end-all. You have to understand that the big difference between millennials' banking decision and those of us that are older, their decisions are being made. They're not this archetype that they've been said to be, but they're a group that's had technology their whole life. They don't know a time without the internet, so they're going to go there first. So that's why it's very important as we look at capturing these younger markets. And again, they're going to be discerning on these. It's experience. If if you had a bank branch that had stacks of money sitting out on a table behind Teller Row versus the safe that's very prominent in bank design, people would turn around and walk out. Your money's not secure. This is the same experiential thought. If you're not mobile, then your app's probably going to be terrible. Your experience is going to be terrible. You don't put emphasis on things that are now expected. Well, and to look at the expectations of a website – I know our statistic, we see 60 to 70% of our entire branch network traffic every day on our website. Transactional. Transactionally, yeah, or people visiting, just visitors that are going in and checking their accounts and, and doing whatever. And this isn't the app. I'm talking the website. We have 60%. And so my, my argument here for budget, if you're going to redesign or for your website, is go to your boss or to executive management or the board or whomever you report to and say, if we had a branch – that saw 60% of our customers, and you can say it that way, 60% of our customers each day, a branch that saw 60% of the, of the traffic to the branches in numbers each day, why would we not be putting a lot of money into it? And why would we not be making it cutting edge and the best? Because you'll go put a bunch of money into digital signage and whatever, new desk and kiosk and signs and all types of stuff in the branch and the customer journey experience and all that. And then you'll go put up great signs and you'll put up some billboards and you'll do newspaper ads and might do some TV and some radio. And then your web is just, oh, it's static. It's sitting there. People go to it. And then you got to start thinking, if 60% of my clients are going there, one, I have a great cross-sell opportunity. I mean, an amazing one. And secondly, why are you not putting money into making it something that's very unique to you, very brand-centric? And it doesn't look like Community National Bank of the Frontage Road Merchant and Farmers this somewhere. I mean, those are, you know, the Citizens Bank, whatever. Generic bank. Yeah, American Citizen National Front Road First Bank of whatever town. 
why are you not making it the most awesome thing in your bank? Because seriously, 60, 70% of your clients are probably looking at it every day. The, the trouble is who, who is thinking about and who is important. And the, the problem comes in that, and this ties back into that budget question earlier on, who's walking through the branch? So those decision makers about budget are walking through the branch. So it has to be good looking. They're, you know, your your clients coming to meet you for lunch at your branch. So you can't be embarrassed by your physical location. But by and large, the website becomes an afterthought. Nobody's quote walking through it. The 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 they budgeters, and they're not. They go to it utilit- with a utilitarian view, just like your clients many times doing and no one looks to that experience i've got a, a quick well, and let me interrupt on that too typically your your senior management and your board are usually a little bit older and they're probably not as tech savvy and they're not in this millennial generation who's going to google the bank look at it and make their decision on the brand by what they see on their screen and whether it's optimized or whether it's on their their big pc or mac at home uh, you know your your bank executive management usually is a little bit more senior, and so that's probably not how they made their bank decision. They're already in the bank. They've you know they don't see it the way a consumer that's twenty five years old, whom you now get because everyone after I won't say everyone, but a lot of people have already made their banking decisions later on in life where they're going to bank, and it takes a huge amount or huge problem for them to move an account. So those younger accounts, though, they're looking for that website, the ease of applying for an account online, the ease of use, what it tells them and information. So I interrupted you, but but it reminded me I wanted to throw that in there. Well, they're not shopping banks either. I mean, which hopefully you are, listener, shopping other banks and looking at their experience. Uh, You know, that board member, that executive management member is probably only going to your bank site to do their transactions, and they don't know that there's, you know, there are other options. You know, looking at the competitive field, but – one thing, you know, is we talk about budget because that's that's the struggle. You, you may listen to this and say, okay, I hear you, but how do I go get the budget to actually do this? The traffic analogy is so great, and, and what I would say is have hard numbers. Go, ta- go find your biggest traffic bank, physical location. Look at that traffic versus what your web traffic is, your potential web traffic, and ask someone what did that branch cost you to build? I mean – it's going to be an expen- much more expensive than a website. And make that comparison. A website's going to cost this much, and a bank branch costs this much. Shouldn't we at least spend this to that amount of traffic if we spend this on a physical location? So let's, let's back up for a second. And I know this is like throwing darts at a dartboard because there's banks that are worth a trillion dollars, and there's banks that are worth $150 million one location. Give me an idea of what a website should cost. And I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but give me just somebody's listening going, man, I don't have a clue. I got one agency saying they're going to, they want 30,000. I've got another one saying they'll do it for five. And some kid out of college that's got a graphic design and programming degree, and he's saying he'll do it for a thousand. What, I mean, and let's throw out the security and the hosting, but just what does a design setup and the discovery process for a website well, that's, cost? You hit on my first uh, factor is, just like everything else in the banking industry, we go with regulations, the audit trail, the, the security and, and compliance portion that we, we have to address in the beginning. So the, the first factor that's going to differentiate the range I'll give is what do you have in-house on those? IT, compliance, security. If you can do those in-house, then you're, then you're going to be able to reduce your rate a lot. And you should lean on those resources because those are the ones ultimately responsible than the bank. Don't mitigate that risk and put it on a web, a web firm that, frankly, may not be there in a year. Hey, where's our security? I don't know. Our guys aren't even there to do it. 
Um, I certainly would not go the nephew who can do it five thousand dollar. He goes and buys a thirty dollar template and plugs it, tries to plug and play on you. Unless unless you just need a presence, you don't want any functionality, and that's the other thing. I mean, because there are core services providers, and it ties in. You know, you're. If I had to guess what what the average spend on a legitimate website would be, taking out some of the guys, the big corporate billion billions of billions guys, because they spend money just because it's there. Frankly, I mean, I see some of these budgets. I'm you spent a half a million dollars on a website. Yeah, let's talk to a, a community bank, someone uh, between a, you know five hundred million and twenty billion, and you're gonna need, that's a big range. You're going to need to invest at least twenty thousand dollars. All factors considered, I think that's low. I, well, I said at least. Yeah. I, I mean, at at the very least, that's my threshold to you're not legitimate. Yeah. I, I mean, would argue if you don't have $100,000 in a website, you might not be competing. Yes, and that's where I was going to get. That that number would probably be my my median number, $100,000. Again, it it when I say 20, I'm talking about audit trail compliance. I'm looking at two factors. You're a small bank, so you don't have you don't have $100,000. That might be your entire yeah, marketing. Yeah, budget. you don't have, you know, you're a three-branch bank, you don't have a compl- you, you outsource compliance, security and all that, but you don't need any functionality. I mean, I think that's the least amount that a two or three branch bank could spend and wind up with a legitimate website. And I know I'm setting myself up for the comments and the, all that. There are many factors considered into that that 20 podcasts couldn't cover. Again, I'm going two, two or three sliders. You don't have internal, but you don't need a whole lot of functionality. But I'm going to say your average, you're going to average out around 100000 um, by the time you get into the... Ten billion bank, and we're not talking about uh, the the internet banking portion. We're not talking no. about where you log in and go into your core provider and you move money around. We're not talking about any of that functionality. Those core services, yeah. We're not talking about core. We are talking about the homepage and the pages linked to it and what they do and the way they look and the aesthetic and the feel of it. That's right. What, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, for for a bank that has many branches, you need location finder. There's deep functionality. You've got a mortgage department that needs employee finder thing like things like that, that's going to be that, that other end of that spectrum, that quarter million uh, plus that, that gets that $100,000 average. But you need to it, – it, it is, you know, the factor of, of the web development companies out there and, and what you're buying, I, I would be remiss if I did not say, and again, this should go without saying, I'll say it anyway – is do your due diligence in hiring these people, especially in your industry, to make certain that, that again, that audit compliance, the small things that we don't think that, that um, I'm not a big specialty guy that go out and, and hire um, a bank website building company just because they build bank websites. I'm not that guy. You look like everybody else. But that's why everybody looks the same. But also on the other end of the spectrum, the guy who just says, oh, I can do that just as well as anybody else, but doesn't understand compliance, security, audit. You know, that, that's a dangerous territory as well. I mean, it's tough. Guys, you, you, are, you are saddled with a tough responsibility in doing this. This is a 20, 30-minute podcast. is not going to be able to give you all the answers. Uh, but we want to hit some high points and what to look for. Yeah, we're, we're keeping the conversation going. Uh, let's think about one other area. Uh, what do you think makes a good website stand out? And you, we can talk in generalities, and then you can talk in banking. But what makes? And I know that there's a 
a trend every couple of years that makes them change. Like it was, you know, at first it was real tight, lots of copy, SEO, mobilized, all this stuff and, and set up for that. And then it, and then it went to big sliders and then it's gone to video in the background when you go in and then some people put music and there's animation and someone talk, walks across the screen and talks to you and there's a robot and there's motion graphics. And, and so there's different styles. It's gotten to where it's more now big pictures and a little copy. And then you kind of click three deep to actually get to information because the first thing is to attract you there and then you find out more about the bank but tell me if you want to and those are my opinions on the way websites have gone now is bigger sliders bigger pictures crisp graphics Uh, but in your thoughts what makes a good website stand out it's a marriage of functionality and aesthetics it's the things that you're talking about all of this you know some sites lean too much on the aesthetic it's just a big picture with a little bit of text in it now i've got to click to get into the real site then i've got to click to get it, it is a marriage of an appropriate marriage of aesthetics and functionality because, I, I, as I said earlier, we need to start with functionality. But if it looks like um, Windows 95 and the picture in the background is this green rolling hill that I know that on some of your thin clients at your desk right now you probably have because we're stuck in that, that era, it automatically makes it, it feel old. But we have to, again, keep this analogy going of a website is a tool. It has, it has to function well. When you can give me a good, relevant experience, and I'm here to, for what I'm here to find, I need to investigate checking. It doesn't have to be the top line click. You can't put everything on the top line, right? You can't think through the 300 let's just say 60-something products that your bank probably offers on average and have all 65 links. But you have to make it intuitive that they can find their way through. But aesthetics are still very important because you're competing against not just other banks. You're competing against um, Facebook and, and where we have this expectation of aesthetics, of being modern. You go to ESPN.com. You go to CNN.com, FoxNews.com. And we have this expectation of the way a website should look and be modern, but then we also have to find our information very quickly. And you speak of finding information very quickly. Let me add one thing that frustrates, I guess we're in the South, so I'd say frustrate the dickens out of people when they go. The far. Yeah, the the far out of people when they go to websites. uh, Put your phone number where it is able to be located easily. Put a web address, and when you're on the site, put an email address. If you put contact Make sure they can get there. Nothing frustrates the consumer more. And I know this from being a consumer of utilities, whether it's a cable company or something you need to, someone, something you need to get in touch with, than being able to not find the phone number to talk to someone. Because, and I know you say, well, we don't want to have our call center all loaded up. Here's the problem with that. If the person has to get frustrated to find the phone number, they're doubly as frustrated when they call. So I will throw this out there as information find. Put the 1-800 number, and you can argue, well, we have a local number. We don't go one. And I don't Put care. Put your number. Put your daggum number on the f- cover of the website. Because isn't the ultimate goal of the website to have customer interaction to where you actually get some, oh, wait a minute, revenue off the websites? And that could be revenue that you've saved by giving the customer a better experience contacting you, not just revenue you've grown through cross-selling or opening accounts. So let me add this. For those of you listening and, and want to uh, take some advice out of this, if you're going to have a live chat, make sure there's a live person there. They're not offline. You know, you, the little box pops up and you go and it says offline. offline. And you're like, 
Why even have it? Think about this experience. Now, look, I'll say this. If you don't really want to get calls in your call center, shut your call center down. If you're not going to put your number on your website and you're, and you're one of these people that say, I really don't want calls anyway, then make a paradigm and go to live chat or go to email response and, inv- and pull that money or out. Or social of call- media. You can use that too. And invest fully in it. You can't be everything to everybody. But if you're going to have a phone number, it is not going to increase your number of calls by anything more than a marginal difference to put that number. We're the most passionate in this podcast about putting your number on your website. But you can tell what what drives that consumer crazy. And it's, it's that whole, even when you do get in the call center, you're on hold, we can answer your questions online. Go to... I'm calling you because I couldn't get my question answered. It's about the experience and about the communication. So if you want to take a bad banking experience and make it worse for your client, do something like have your call center or your your live chat offline all all the time. And the number buried three clicks deep. Yeah, I mean, because you took somebody who has a deposit problem already or a whatever problem. might be panicking. Can't afford gasoline, stuck at a gas yeah. station. They're trying to find yeah, out. Yeah, there's always – you guys have probably been on the other end of these things. Yeah. When when someone's account doesn't work, it is always a baby stuck in a car, <laughs> a under a bridge. Yeah, always. Yeah, there, there is never just, hey, it's I can't buy the candy bar at the quick stop. But you, you take that and compound it with everything else. You know you're going to get those calls. So go ahead and make it easy on those people. Check out this year's ABA Marketing Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. You'll get to see what the South is all about in one of the nation's fastest-growing cities and get great information at ABA Marketing Conference 2016 in Nashville, Tennessee. And that would be September 25th through the 27th, or you can show up early on the 24th and go out, and I think there's some pre-conference stuff, and stay till the 28th. But in late September, Nashville in the South, ABABankMarketing.com to find out more. Sign up and attend. You might even see some of us there. Follow ABA Bank Marketing on Twitter at ABA Bank MKTG. That's A-B-A-B-A-N-K-M-K-T-G with the at sign in front to follow anything on Twitter to do with ABA Bank Marketing. Hey guys, ABABankMarketing.com is your source for bank marketing news, updates, and more. ABABankMarketing.com August 1st to 31st, ABA is highly recommending you invite your lawmakers to come visit with you and see how we do things in the banking industry. Take your lawmaker to work August 1st to 31st. To find out more, visit ABA.com. All right, back to Marketing Money Podcast at marketingmoneypodcast.com. Send us a question. If you have something for the podcast, I'm here, John Oxford. Director of Corporate Communication with Renaissance Bank, and I'm here with Josh Mabus of the Mabus Agency. We are finishing up our segment here on websites and what's a good bank website and what's a bad bank website and just websites in general. And I think we could talk about this all day long because you can go from how do you program it, how do you secure it, what vendor do you use, what do you put on it, what should you advertise, do you open accounts online, how do you check them, do you live chat, contact. I mean, this is something that well, obviously there are thousands of companies built around this and to give it 30 minutes on a podcast is short shrift to anything. But we're going to cover just a few more minutes, and then we'll take questions if you have specifics. And then I'm going to close with some uh, tactical recommendations that we've discussed. Uh, uh, let me let me let me sum this up. And you know, we talk about 30 minutes in less 
than three. I'm, I'm going to shoot for 30 seconds to three minutes since we're on threes. Go for it. Our message here is that the bank website is more important than you think it is. And I'm saying you, but I'm speaking to a group. The reason I know it is is because in investigating this, I can see the sites. I've gone to them. And, and the statistical probability of you listening to this is you have a subpar site compared to the national landscape of websites. So it, so it tells me that... that the not ba- banks. You're talking about websites, and you're competing with every... It's like television commercials. You're competing with every yeah. brand, not yeah. just bank yeah. brands. Your bank is competing with websites. Your bank is competing with Facebook, not, not for banking services, but in how the consumer sees your site and the experience. And again, I look at the sites, and our, our clarion call to you is we have to shift the importance to banking sites. Whether they're differentiated or where they look the same or whatever, they've got to look better out there. They're, they're programmed around an old thought. And again, the, the, the question I'm asked more than anything is about millennials generally. That's a general question. What are we going to do about millennials? When somebody asks me that and they've got a website designed for a 40-year-old computer, then I don't really think they're even ready to ask that question. You, you have to start in that experience. So no matter what you do, the, the, the million facets that, that are a million facets within those million facets, the message here is when you hit stop at the end of this podcast, open your browser and start or open your notepad and start making a plan to see how you can improve your site. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think you've got to... Um not be old and banks tend to be an old industry it is one of the first industries it's how you how commerce has moved around how money's uh, taken care of and well, who, secure well who owns your deposits yeah i mean exactly. i'm sorry the 20 the 20 year old millennial does not own your deposits not right now so um I, I get why we why we go to that but you can make an experience that doesn't alienate the 60 year old person and still attracts the 20-year-old because the 60-year-old's using Facebook too. True, absolutely. And let's close here with a a few tactical recommendations to end with uh, that we've gone through. I'm going to start with, and I'm going to let you comment on each one, but I'm going to say, number one, look at designing for mobile first. Absolutely. There's nothing else to say. Secondly, when looking at a budget and arguing for your budget because you never can get as much as you want, no one ever gives you as much as you want, Use the matrix of comparing to a branch and your branch traffic because I think it opens a lot of eyes to get those get those numbers and say sixty percent of our branch traffic visits our website every day and yet you want to spend ten thousand dollars on it a year. Well, first, the virtual space by its very nature isn't concrete, so it's difficult to envision. When you can begin to draw those parallels to real life physical examples, it makes it real. Two, it communicates to to those um, budgeting departments, whether that's executive management or whomever, that you are willing to look at statistics. And the other part of this that we haven't thrown out yet is the trackability of this. We know the website traffic. You may not know branch traffic. It's all estimated unless you've got a you know photographic counting system. You know transactions. But your willingness to look at ROI and trackability. Three on my tactical list to close this out. Make your contact number easy. And that sounds so Captain Obvious walked in the room, but my point is make it easy for the consumer to contact your bank. If you have a live chat, 
it better be live or don't have it up. Make it easy to get in touch with your bank. Again, you're not just growing revenue, you're saving revenue with your website. Well, and to expand on that, absolutely agree with it. But what I would say in a more general sense is understand that your website isn't the whole experience. That advertising of some sort, word of mouth to TV to billboard, brought them to that site. Interest brought them to that site. Or need brought the consumer to that site. But because you're not going to do a sea change overnight, there is still an experience after the website, a a human interaction. You're still going to use a physical branch. You're still going to call physical people. You're still going to get physical checks. There is still an institution of banking after the experience with the website. So make it easy to interact with that institution of banking. Call, email, chat. Uh, there is no, when we get into the virtual space, it's easy to start saying, oh, we're going to be hands-off and automated and blah, blah, blah. That is a very dangerous um, road to go down. So understand that your website is in the middle of a transaction. And number four on our tactical list here, and this is more generalized brand speak, but make it unique to you. It's so, my example earlier was how many consultants I see that throw up, and they're being critical, they throw up bank websites and they cover up the logo and they say, can you tell me which bank this is? And they go through four or five, six, I mean, you really can't. And especially for a consumer, even a, a marketer might be able to just because the bank might have a certain color that's a little different or a, or an, an I don't know, a branded product that you see on the page, but if you cover up the logo, and so I dare say use that as a litmus test, cover up your logo and say, would someone in my markets, because don't worry about competing at someone in California if you're in North Carolina, but would someone in my markets recognize this as our bank website if the logo was covered up? And so make it unique to you, make it your brand feel. Not only that, but to thine own self be true. There's a bank website that I knew to be a CNI bank. It's a commercial bank all the way through. And one of the main images on their website was a young woman, 20s or 30s, holding up a debit card. Yes, they have deposit accounts, of course, but their website wasn't wasn't a commercial website. It wasn't for commercial lending. So when we say be unique to you, but still be true to yourself, uh, don't put generic stock images up, which is one of the problems I see across websites. You could transport one family to another website, and we're all buying from the same stock pool. But but try to make it at least on brand for what you are. If you're a community bank, a uh, small community bank with three branches in rural Oklahoma, don't put pictures of glass high-rises in the background just to seem bigger. Yeah, Have that family, you're a family bank, be a family bank. It's like the picture of the guy waiting for a taxi cab in a rural Mississippi where there's not any taxi cabs, and they've got the side up there, you know, do your mobile banking while you're in the back of a taxi. Well, I mean, those customers are actually on a day-to-day basis in the back of a taxi. I would dare say little to none. Uh, so, so know your market. Know your market. Make it unique. Uh, again, this is Marketing Money Podcast, and I'm going to close again repeating my tacticalities that we've discussed here. Mobile first. Consider mobile first budget compared to branch traffic. Uh, for argument's sake, if you need it, make sure it's easy to contact your bank. Again, the site is for commerce, so don't forget that. It's not just to look pretty. It's actually to conduct commerce. And finally, make it unique to you. I know that's easier said than done, but try to find an aesthetic that matches your brand and looks unique to you. For Marketing Money Podcast at marketingmoneypodcast.com, I'm John Oxford with Josh Mabus, and we will see you next time, or you'll hear us next time. Luckily, you don't have to see us. That's right. But if you do want to see us, you can see us at ABA Bank Marketing Conference. 
The Retail and Bank Marketing Conference this year is in Nashville, Tennessee, real close to our hometown. You'll hear a lot of people who sound like us with our Southern brogues, but we will be recording uh, a broadcast from there and take questions for that broadcast live. You'll be able to walk up, ask us questions, get on air with us if you want to, and um, we'll be uh, broadcasting that live through apps like Periscope. It will be a recording there in Nashville at the ABA Bank Marketing and Retail Conference in September. That's right, September 25th through 27th are the official dates, but you can come early and stay late. We plan on being around during the happy hours with a little uh, kind of mock studio set up with a table and some mics, and we're going to let you ask questions, or we may ask you questions, and see what keeps you up at night, and feel free to tell us what goes on in your bank, and we may answer lots of questions, or we may just sit there and talk to ourselves, depending on the interaction, but we plan to be there at the ABA Bank Retail Marketing Conference, September 24th through the 27th-ish in Nashville, Tennessee at the Omni, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, for Marketing Money Podcast, at marketingmoneypodcast.com, I'm John Oxford with Josh Mabus, and we are out. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mavis Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.